0: Who put their hand up when asked, who wants to be a footballer? I'm Johnny McPhee, this is Play, Train, Grow. Let's find out what happened after you put your hand up. Hello and welcome to Play, Train, Grow, a podcast that's going to ask, what is life really like chasing the dream of becoming a professional footballer? In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by James Berry as we discuss his own personal journey through academy football. James, how are we, buddy?
1: Yeah, not bad. Just like everyone getting through lockdown, I suppose. I, I try know. to keep fat. Try Locked to keep fat for fat. I know, I know. Just try to keep motivating myself to get fat for football, hopefully eventually coming back for
0: us. Yeah, so at the moment you're at Stirling University in your second year?
1: Yeah, second year, yeah.
0: Second year at uni. So just give us your your journey through academy
1: football up to today um so i was started training with rafe when i was nine but um i don't know if it's still the same now back then it was you had to be 10 to sign with an academy so i was training for a bit and then signed on my 10th birthday on the day which was quite a big moment because i'd That's been going cool. to Rafe games yeah going to the rafe games for a few years so my granddad was always at the game so it was quite quite a big moment back then then um just kind of I was with Rafe through through 11s, 12s, up to the end of 15s. And then we kind of got big news that Rafe would be ending and it would be merged into the Fife Academy, obviously with Dunfermline, Cowdenbeef East Fife, which was quite a big deal at the time, if I remember. Um, So we all had to basically go for trials for that. I was lucky enough to be successful there, signed with Fife for. I was there for two years until the end of 17s, which is obviously when you get told if you're getting a contract or not. And because I was still kind of associated with Rafe at the time, I'm not sure if Fife still works like that now, where you're with one club or if four clubs have a say on you. I'm not sure. So um, Rafe kind of had dibs on me first. So at the end of 17s at Fife, they'd they'd offered me a two-year apprenticeship. So I jumped at the chance at the time there and and took it. did my two-year apprenticeship there uh got to the end of that and i was either way either going to get a contract or not and kind of managers were changing so it was a bit of a bit of a weird time Um, ended up getting offered a year contract and i was a bit at the time a bit hesitant because i was thinking am i going to play what am i going to do if i don't sign this deal so I ended up doing it, I spoke, spoke with my own dad, I remember at the time, and just said, why not? Let's I'll have an hour year at it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's only a year. So I did the year, ended up probably not going as well as I thought. By the time I got to January, February, I thought I, I kind of knew what was coming. So I uh, didn't get offered anything at the end of that. And I'd already applied for university and stuff as a backup. Um, spoke to the, the gaffer at Sterling Uni as well. Before I'd actually finished it, Rafe, um, and ended up coming here at the uni where I'm at now, and in, in my second year here, only done one full season, obviously because of COVID ruining this year. But Absolutely yeah, that's
0: ruining it for everyone.
1: And know uh, that's pretty much my my story so far.
0: So let's let's focus in on what made it fun. What did you? Any age, 13, 15, 17s. What was the enjoyable part of it?
1: Um. At Rafe at the start, I was I was probably lucky enough that I was playing with my mates because a lot of us, well, three of us from my boys club that went initially to train with Rafe when I was nine ended up signing and I was with them for quite a few years. And then I knew a lot of people around Kirkcaldy that um, I was good mates with. who we were also at Rafe at the time and they were there for... I ended up doing my apprenticeship with two boys who I was with at Rafe I was from the age of 10. So at, at a younger age, it was probably just... Enjoying it, playing with my mates, having fun, although we didn't win every week because we're playing, you know, bigger and better academies, but probably just that gave me the buzz at the start. And then that obviously changes as you get older, gets a bit more serious, and you need to start you need to start performing. And um probably just the the win and the the winning and the the playing gives you the buzz as you get older, yeah. So when
0: when you're you're playing with your pals and that, when does the transition from uh, having fun to being more serious like you just said when does
1: that transition happen i think for me it was the what, joining fife at the end of 15 so those two years at fife because a lot of obviously the race players got cut and we were going into like boys with them film, and that was probably the first time i'd ever moved to a new kind of changing room environment if you know what i mean i didn't know everyone and stuff so it was a bit more serious and now you're thinking you've got two years to get a contract you know, this is what I want to do. So probably those two years where it got a bit more serious. Did the, the enjoyment level stay the same or with the seriousness, did the enjoyment change? Um, I mean, it was still enjoyable. Of course, I still enjoyed it, but definitely there's, a, there's an aspect of it that changes to, you know, when you have a bad game, you're thinking, geez, this is tough. Like this is because it was more serious. You're thinking, that this performance could affect my chances of getting a contract here. So, yeah, I would say it does does definitely change.
0: That's interesting. So when you're playing, so see, we'll just talk about this transition period. So just before the big upheaval and you've got you know, three teams coming together to be one in the selection mm-hmm. process, what did the best you look like on the pitch? How did you, if I was standing on the sidelines, what would the best you look like? Um,
1: what do you mean in terms of my performance?
0: Yeah, performance, getting on the ball. How would look? Would you be up and down? Are you a passer? How would I know you're giving me like an 8, a 9 or a
1: 10 out of 10? Well, I was probably one of those players who, like, if I'm being honest, I still say now, I don't think I have the best technical ability, but I would, I would always work hard. Like, I always give 100%. So, probably just, yeah, I always kind of played centre midfield, so covering a lot of the pitch, running about. Probably not doing much skill wise, but you know, just giving the players that are can do that, the ball, getting the ball back, winning second balls, tackling. And um from that age I was always a kind of big communicator. I always got that at my I remember getting the assessments back in the days. I was always someone who talked, even from elevens, twelves. I was always telling people what to do. Probably probably hated me for it. But I was uh, I was quite good at that, to be fair. That's probably one of my better Sides to my game,
0: so I'm I'm standing on the sideline. I'm watching you tear Probably
1: hear, you. Probably hear me more than you more than you saw me
0: before. I get to the pitch. If I'm running late, I know you're on it because you're yeah, you exactly. really. That's it's such a thing that you don't hear very often, though. I mean, yeah. come all the way through. How many talkers did you even play with? If you think about it,
1: yeah, probably not many. That was that was always what I got back. Good feedback wise that I organized well. So yeah. But you're you're knocking yourself
0: here, and and that's a a bit of humility on your part. But that's the role that gets the least praise on the telly, the least praise on Twitter. And it's often the the role that gets slaughtered, to be honest. But for me, it's Mm. the most important role on the pitch.
1: You're the Jordan Henderson, you know. That's what I was just going to say. I'm getting PFA Player of the Year last year, and you get everyone saying, oh, he doesn't deserve that. He does nothing on the pitch. But those are the kind of people that don't know football, and they don't. You know They don't see the role that he gives the team. Look at him now when he's not playing the middle of the pitch. They're they're struggling. So, yeah, I guess that was kind of hard looking back as well as trying to get noticed playing that role because it's easy to get noticed if you're the player that's beating five players and scoring every week or the striker that puts the ball in the net every week. But trying to get noticed and attention playing that role is quite tough.
0: I, that's That was my question. That was literally what I was lining up to fire at you. <laughs> how, did, how do you do it? Because from experience, I've you know, had 10 years of academy football now, so I quite often don't watch the ball. Uh, you watch on TV, it always follows the ball. So I hate it because you're so zoomed in. So was mm-hmm. it the energy levels that got you noticed? Probably, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, probably that. And the fact that I've... <laughs> I don't like talking about it. It's kind of hard to talk about, oh, I was was good at this. I'm not very good at that. I'm saying what I'm good at, as in on the ball-wise. But I guess I can't have been that bad to get where I've got to so far. So a bit of both.
0: No, I I like it. So if I I try and play devil's advocate to try and break you down and say that you're not having the game you want, say the guy you're playing against is out-muscling you, out-tackling you, out-working you, how are you feeling? And what do you try and do to change things? Um,
1: trying to think. Probably just try work harder than them. I mean, there's a lot of games I have, especially playing where I'm now in the Lowland League when you're playing against, you know, bigger, stronger people. And you might not be better technically, but they're they're physically better than you. So um probably just try outwork them as and don't give them much time on the ball, uh, things like that. Yeah, probably just that, to be fair.
0: I like that. So you've had to adjust your game to try and stop somebody else. Now you're playing against nobody and you're just having it passed around
1: you. How do you use your communication skills to help others on the pitch? Um do that quite a lot, to be fair. I probably just drag people in beside you, make them, <laughs> make them do the work for you. Uh, no, like I say again, probably people probably hate me for that, getting on at them. But uh, I guess I kind of learned that at Rafe as well. Like when... As in, when you play with the first team, they'll tell you what you tell you what to do half the time. You don't really need to. You do as much because you're saying go here, do that. So I guess I take that to my game now and help others around me, drag them in, tell them where to go. So that's probably probably one of the big things I learned from being in the first team kind of environment. No, I
0: love it because, like you've already said, it's easy to see the kid at 10, 12, 14, that can go by three or four and put it in the back of the net. It's easy to see the centre half who can't be out sprinted, who's always winning headers or winning tackles. It's hard to see the person that works hard. Yeah. Because they're not flashy and they're not eye-catching, but it's a really important role And for anyone that's kind of listening and they think that's their game. As you've said already, people that know what they're looking at, they can see
1: it. Yeah, I guess that's kind of trying to get that into your head that the people that matter, as in the coaches, this the scouts will notice you. Um it doesn't need to be just your mates watching who think, oh, you're not really doing much in the game. You know what I mean? Uh I had that a lot of playing school football, you know what I mean? I feel like I'm not really doing much, and your mates are like, oh, he plays at this level and he's he's not really going by five players and scoring. But uh I guess that's trying to get that into your mind that the people who matter will see it. So
0: Let's stay on that because you've moved on a nice little bit there. So you're going into school football. Mm. um, Are expectations
1: too high because you play whatever it is? Absolutely. I I think I was more nervous for school football games than I was when I made my debut with F. Really? Yeah, just because you're... uh, Although our year there was a few boys who played with F and stuff, so it it wouldn't have been as bad. But just the fact that you need to try the team you're the better you're meant to be the better player and the fact that i'm not the type of player to go and win the game for us was was quite tough i'd say
0: That's it's really interesting it it must be quite hard to to get yourself prepared for a match then if you're constant if before you even you walk on the pitch you've got that weight on your back
1: yeah um it's kind of like that where i am now obviously at the uni going from you know a lot of people at the uni ask me now uh why didn't you try to go somewhere else, like professionally, because you're coming from Rafe and you've came down to us. But, like, when I first went in there, I was thinking, you know, am I going to be better than all these people? And to be fair, it wasn't really like that. The the quality was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So I was quite surprised. But um, the uni games now, I think I get, even again, I, I feel more probably anxious and nervous than I do when I was playing in front of thousands of people at Rafe. So...
0: No, that's really interesting. We'll come on to that a wee bit later, I think. That's a, certainly an interesting thought for folks to to think about. So I'd like to talk about um, life and balance. So as you're coming up, 12, 13, 14, 15, what, what does life look like? Is it up early, get to school, um, straight home something to eat training? Are you up early,
1: doing a session in the morning, then going to school? What was the life and balance like? Um, for me back then, I think a lot of at that time at Rafe, we trained in Bathgate, so it would be three nights a week, a week in Bathgate, so it would be quite tough. It would be sh- school in the morning, obviously, straight from school, straight through there. Um then, I think we we're at Delgette Bay as well. So that wasn't as bad, I know a lot of people have it. then you travel quite a lot, so we were quite lucky. The furthest we had to go was kind of 45 minutes to Bathgate. But even that, it would still be late nights back. Um, so it was it was quite tough and um, to think at fife it would have been a bit local as well so it wasn't can't really complain i can probably had it quite easy compared to some people who were obviously doing sessions in early before school and stuff like that so it wasn't yeah, the worst
0: the thing is you're saying it's only 45 minutes but it's 45 minutes there it's 45 minutes back so yeah. that's 90 minute travel for a 90 minute training session you've got to add school and exams and everything on top of that
1: yeah it was taught when you get to the kind of fourth or fifth year at school and you're doing exams, it becomes tough, especially in my, in my fifth year at school, getting the hires, um, obviously knowing that I, if I sign my day, if you at the end of my fifth year, I'm not going to do sixth year. So I kind of had one shot at hires and my mom was always pushing that. You need to get, you need to get these. Cause you know, you need a fallback, which I obviously I definitely did trying to get into university. I wouldn't have gotten to university without the hires. So that was good from her looking back. And, um, that fifth year was probably the toughest ba- kind of balance out of my life. Trying to study for that and do all that whilst it's your biggest year of football. You're trying to win a contract, so that was probably you, the toughest. Do you think there's
0: there's help or support in that area? Uh, I know in the past we've given players I work with an extra night off during exam times uh, just to help them. At home and, and do more at school. Do you think that's maybe an area that we need a bit more awareness on that at 16, 17, you're just doing maybe a bit too much? I'd say so,
1: yeah. But um I was kind of one of those people who would uh, if it was offered to me, I probably would have just said, no, I'm doing the football anyway, you know what I mean? I wouldn't have let my mum say hey, you're studying. Good enough. But um, <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, it's probably it's probably needed for needed for some, to be honest, because not everyone's the same. At the end of the day, I was, I was quite quite applied to doing my schoolwork and I know a lot of my mates like, weren't, so I was probably quite fortunate, yeah. Maybe just an area of like kind of looking
0: at structure and with mm. some of the places we have access to the school so you can come in and do your homework or whatever before or after training. But it's Yeah, yeah. So
1: things as simple as that, yeah.
0: Mm. It's definitely difficult. So I take you beyond that and you've made it to Wraith and you've got your contract... Is being a
1: footballer easy? Um from the outset, I guess if you're in if you're at a high level, you people look and say, Yeah, it is easy. But uh from where I was, oh, no because no and yes, because no as in your training every day uh with pressure and I was going into the, you know the team I supported and I was at for so many years, so it was I would, like, if I had a bad session that day, I would go home and be gutted. Do you know what I mean? I'm training with people who I used to watch on the pitch last year.
0: Absolutely.
1: The, uh, from the stands, sorry, from the stand. So if I go in and let them down and you know what I mean, you beat yourself up when you go home. But then at the same time, when you have a good week and your sessions go well and you, you're involved with the first team, there's nothing better. So I, it's a tough I can't. I don't know if I could give a yes or a no, if it's easy or not. But that's that's the whole point of this is asking that question. I've
0: asked it to everyone I've spoken to, and I'll get a different answer every time I ask. I know that, and it's the idea is
1: just getting that information out there because I guess a lot of people don't see you from the outside the amount of training that you do as well. So in that aspect, it isn't easy, no. And
0: financially, it's not rewarding.
1: Am I right? No. In that? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Not in Scottish terms, anyway. If you're down south in, there and earning hundreds of thousands, then I guess it can be a bit easier. But then still, they'll have. Times where the money's not important at all, is it? It's what, it's what how how happy it makes you so. That's
0: it, and I think that's the problem is sometimes people get distracted by thinking that financially it's great to be a footballer.
1: Mm. But
0: at what, 16, 17, your mum and dad are probably still
1: running your boot, aren't they? Taking you to training. Yeah, exactly. exactly, the money's not much when you're younger. It's, it's obviously a bonus, but it's not everything when you're that age at all, no. It's not a focus
0: either, is it, to be honest?
1: No. No, you're never thinking uh, at that age. I'm signing here for this amount of money. I guess that's what it gets to when you're older and you need to. You do it for a living, but you would. I would have signed for nothing back then. You know what I mean?
0: Who wouldn't? You know, as you've said, you have stood in the stands and watched them, and then six months later, you're passing the ball to them. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's awesome. Anyway, right. so they talking about playing at that level. What was your thoughts on winning?
1: Um, as in how did it change from academy to change? what's your own perception on winning
0: just anything that comes to your head and when I just say that word what is winning
1: uh, for me personally uh, everything I I would put everything into winning If, if it's a five a side game in training if it's a game at the weekend for the first team that depends on so many people you know it depends on people's life basically doesn't it so yeah I would say it's I would say it's massive probably the biggest part of football is winning and it can change it can change a lot so um looking back from academy wise it was probably not the biggest part because because we were kind of a smaller academy compared to the bigger ones like your Celtics and your Rangers back then you'd be you know you'd be not happy it's kind of tough to say that happy to lose but It wouldn't be the be all and end all if you'd played well at that at that level. You'd you'd go home kind of relatively happy.
0: a big disparity, isn't there, between between all the academies? So, kind of continuing on this theme, you're at Wraith. You're saying you're not winning much in terms of a scoreline. So, I'm going to go along the lines of it's then what you give yourself in terms of feedback.
1: Um.
0: Sorry, wait what you, yeah, sorry. Uh, like a What do you Like an intrinsic winning, so you're trying to complete more passes or uh, make more tackles than the players you're playing against, that sort of thing. Is
1: that a measure of winning? Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess I probably didn't look at it much like that back then, but yeah, in terms of your own game, yeah, you're trying to out your opponent. Play. I probably should have looked at that more back then as in to improve my own game. You know, um, if I'm making these amount of X amount of passes that are completed and stuff that's an interesting way to look at to be honest yeah it's always uh, it's going to become a repeated repeated thing
0: on this podcast that for me until you get to the first team you should, your focus should be intrinsic winning it should be on you mm-hmm. being the best you within the group and then once you hit that first team, I believe if, if your aim every week is to outdo every opponent you play against and outdo every teammate in your group at your own ability, then that prepares you for, for walking into that first team.
1: Yeah, to be honest, at Wraith, that was probably, without knowing it in, at the time, that was probably uh, one of the main points because you had to be better than the people in your change room. Say we had an under-20s team of 10 uh, 12 players or whatever, you had to be the best in that change room to get involved with the first team to get picked for training or say there's a spot on the bench, you need to be better than everyone that week in training. So, yeah, that is probably a big aspect of of football. Yeah. I think quite often maybe you just don't realize it when you're just being young.
0: And then I know, like, I'm just,
1: even looking time. back, even looking back now, I'm like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? But yeah, it's, yeah,
0: just break a couple of barriers, ask a couple more questions, and
1: then all of a sudden you realize it. I know you've blown my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time
0: for everything, I suppose.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, keep on, yeah. keep a hold of that one. So what, in terms of uh, frustration, got to you? You know, any age academy, what was frustration for you?
1: Um, not getting picked. Probably one of the big ones, you know. Uh, one. Yeah, I remember at the last year of Fife, uh, obviously we'd be involved with the reserves kind of with eighth. and uh you know sometimes they take some players sometimes they take others i remember thinking at the time oh i've not been picked because i've not done well that week but it was probably just i remember damage you said you know they need to look at everyone because they don't know who they're going to give the contracts and stuff and for me looking back like at the time i would be like oh i must have not done well and i kind of beat myself up about it so that was a big frustration that that around that time. Um, on that,
0: on that point there, would you then use that as a fuel for the next week in training?
1: Yeah, I guess it was kind of a good thing in that way because then I'd bounce back the next time we're training or playing and be like, oh, I need to impress you. I need to impress. And that comes with pressure as well, doesn't it? Because absolutely, I'm thinking if I don't do well here, I'm going to be picked again. So
0: Yeah, it's good. And anything else? Um.
1: To be honest, I've i I'm not i am not I've been quite lucky in terms of injury. I've not been kind of frustrated that way. Um, I'm trying to think what else we do in terms of uh, teammates. You know, I always love little
0: things about teammates. Just to share about uh, I don't know someone in the team that gives it tight to you because you keep giving the ball away, and then they do the same thing, and they blame oh, someone else. You know?
1: Yeah, that academy wise, that wasn't too bad because people you know people really wouldn't have a go at you, but. Definitely when you go to first team, wow, the difference in that is mad. You make one mistake that might not even be your mistake and you get blamed constantly for it. And you just gonna have to take it, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that that would be a bit of a frustration because you can't really speak back to some people in first team wise, can't you? Because they're more experienced than all this.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to move to. So so how was that change in feedback from the nice, easy... So a 16, 17s academy process and I'll just hurl you in with the Wolves.
1: Tough. It was tough. I remember I first training with the first team and you, you make one mistake or give the ball, like I said, might, you might think in your head, oh, I didn't really do much wrong there. And you'd have three of them going crazy at you, uh, demanding more. But I guess they do it because they want the best out of you and they want to win every day. Uh, they're not doing it because they don't like as a person or whatever. It's not. It's never personal. And then you'd go and speak to them after, or you'd see them the next day and off the pitch, and they'd be brand new. So it was just that is a big, big. That's probably the biggest jump from academy to first team in, in my eyes, anyway. Just the demand every day and how much, how much they want to win.
0: Yeah, and it, that's like you're saying. That's a common thread: is is dealing with that pressure. So what was it like the first few times going in? What were you feeling? I'm gonna guess the stomach was churning.
1: Oh yeah. Um the first few times I actually trained with the first time, I was still at five. Uh, I think it would have been school holidays. And I remember I remember one time they just they needed a number and we we, we were training separate, just obviously people from the academy and stuff. And I'd I'd got called up. But I get that I was the, those were almost the better ones where you weren't expecting to go train with well, them. Mean, you'd get called over. So you wouldn't really you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be built up. Yeah, you wouldn't be expecting it. The ones where you are You're told in the morning when you first go in or you remember the first thing in the day and you're sitting in the change room for two hours thinking, oh, my God, can't make any mistakes today. But uh, no, it was it was tough to deal with. Yeah, Um, but then it works the other way because when you have a good session and people are praising you, there's no better feeling, really. Love it. So did you
0: ever do anything to help you deal with the pressure? that maybe you didn't realize then or you realize now sort of the use of imagery or self-talk?
1: Probably not. Look Looking back now and where I am now, I, I should have, but I don't think I really, I just kind of got on with it. And I didn't, do you I wasn't one of those ones who got too beat up about it because I, I always was, obviously I said I was quite a big communicator, so I kind of gave it out a bit as well. So, and I guess you get, you get a bit more respect off them if you kind of speak up as well. Obviously, I'm not going to go in and slate when they make a mistake or things, but you know, I was I was not afraid to, to speak to the first team to say, you know, give me the ball, give me the ball. So I guess they kind of probably respected that as well.
0: Yeah. But you, I mean, sometimes you just don't realise what you're
1: saying. So you're saying you don't get too high, but then on the flip side, I'm going to presume you don't get too low. Not really, but I'd say I beat myself up more than a, Praise myself, yeah. myself, yeah. But it's more just in terms of, of if you don't get too high and you don't
0: get too low, you, you can stay not in, in control of your emotions, but you can manage mm-hmm. them a little bit more.
1: Yeah, a yeah. a sort
0: of person that gets really, really high and really, really low, the distance between the two quite often affects performance. And I'm, I'm thinking, you're saying you don't really know anything, but it sounds like you would have done that without thinking about
1: it. Yeah, probably. I, I probably would have. And the fact that I kind of always always wanted the ball that kind of maybe made me forget about the last mistake you know just get back on it and do something better make it you know make it disappear Right so straight away there's another one
0: you're saying you don't know about it but all of a sudden you're really quick at moving on from mistakes because your focus returns to just give me the ball again and let me do it again it's still what would you do
1: next time you just give me it and let me go I think as as the older I got I probably got worse at overthinking the mistakes because when I remember when I when I first went in and I would first be training the first team, I wouldn't really I'd always be demanding the ball and I would I wouldn't really care. And that was probably when I was at my my best in the first and as in when I was training with and when I was performing best. Whereas my last year I was probably because I was so little involved when I did go in and make a mistake, I was a bit more probably hiding from it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So you,
0: you're thinking that as you're you're coming through your teens Mistakes don't bother you; they just water off the duck's back. Mm-hmm. But once the contract and less game time came along, all of a sudden it changed.
1: Definitely, I'd think so. Yeah, I'd agree yeah. with that. In my last year, because probably just changed that. Probably just then, then decisiveness of I don't know what I'm doing. Like in my last year, when I signed that last year contract, I didn't know what I was doing next. So there was probably a lot more pressure put on that by myself as in compared to the first two years you know I had the two year contract I was playing a lot under 20s at that at that time and doing quite well so there wasn't as much pressure on it in my last year we didn't really play as much under 20s games and stuff so probably that probably had quite a big effect on it yeah no that's interesting
0: I think it's important that you know you realise as you go through your journey we, we have to create sort of Moments where you recognise change and then try and help it. I think the last thing you want to do is realise it too late, mm-hmm. and maybe that's just the, like that sort of great bit of thinking is that if you change internally in terms of how you see mistakes, it's a, a great probably activator of the alarm bells go off and you have to start thinking. Oh, hang on a minute, I need to make a wee change here. Yeah, well, that's it's great. Thanks for for letting us in there. It, hopefully, it, it opens up a. A window into to you so as we kind of move on what um what would you say you've taken from academy football and the first team football that you use in
1: today's life when you use at your uni um probably in, well, interacting with people is a lot easier than someone who's probably not been through the kind of team environment Um just kind of speaking to people everyday life because you don't know I mean you're chucked from academy to first time you're chucked in with 30 men you've never met in your life and that can be quite intimidating whereas I don't really find that as as challenging now at university Uh, especially I always thought because I'd never really moved into a, a new team this was when I left Rafe coming to Storm was the first time I'd you know probably officially changed team as in completely didn't know anyone going into that I remember being quite nervous about that at the time you know how Well, I get on with them stuff like that, but it was couldn't have been easier when I came here. Um, So probably that's probably the the main thing I've taken from that into everyday life. Yeah,
0: yeah, just being able to communicate.
1: Yeah, but then like I say, I've always kind of been okay at that throughout my career. So
0: no, it's good. It's just promoted it. So how um, you're talking about? taking stuff from academy into your uni and how would you manage emotions or how do you deal with your emotions because you're saying you've been a good communicator and it's helped you with that now that you're in studying trying to learn new things do you find that the football was provided ways
1: to help you manage stuff um yeah probably uh to be honest i'm probably not the best at managing my, my studies and that i'm not into uh reading too much and stuff like that so That's probably. I'm trying to think. What I'm trying to say here.
0: Sorry. No, it's all right, pal. It's like I said, it's quite a difficult thing to think about because emotions emotions are often something that we don't discuss anyway. You know, it's we keep it quiet, especially in football. It's quite a quiet thing. So if I switch it from emotions and talk about comfort zone, how then are you out with your comfort zone?
1: As in at university
0: yeah absolutely just i'm just trying to see if there's anything that, that's helped you in that sort of. you're talking about the transition from uh, a first team football environment into the university football environment and studying so is that comfort zone was that a faster transition you think just because of, of football
1: yeah probably it probably eased me into uh, like doing the university stuff as an going into classes and working in groups and stuff like that was probably a bit easier for me because of what I've experienced as in, in football. Um, obviously, it's all online now, so it's a bit different, but uh, that was probably a lot easier for me as in meeting new people in the university life. You know, you, you, you meet a lot of new people every day in uni, so that was probably one of the easier things for me, yeah. So, I'm just going to walk you back in your history. So, I'm going to take you back to that
0: first team environment. What was it like being outside the comfort zone in there? You know, what were the thoughts that came into your head? Was it worry, a wee bit of fear, a wee bit of panic,
1: confidence, self confidence? Probably all the negative ones, not much confidence going in there. But uh, yeah, probably just the fear of, Am I good enough to be involved with all of these people? Um, the panic of, yeah, if I don't perform to my best, will they they take into me, you know, will they speak to me, things like that. But um, no, it's quite a a big challenge, I'd say.
0: So did you, once you got in the door and you realised it and you settled a wee bit and the sweaty palms went away and the heart rate came back, do you feel that some of that was just made up and it it didn't happen?
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. My thoughts of going in there to what it was actually like would have been miles different. Uh, a lot of it was probably just overthinking and thinking all of the negative things that could happen. Whereas if I'd went in there with a lot more positive mindset, I probably would have probably would have performed better overall on the pitch and off the pitch. So in terms of advice and passing it on to somebody or passing it on
0: to coaches that might be listening that are got that transition age, what are you thinking in
1: your head? negatively that is um just just like what i said kind of if i don't perform you know will will the first team take to me will will the managers take to me things like that Uh, if you know if i don't interact with them uh will will they take to me on the pitch things like that yeah so if i then flip
0: that the other way around and i'm the coach what would you love from me just uh the big Jurgen Klopp hug. Let's get going, relax, and go play. Or is this something that maybe I couldn't have
1: helped? I, I think so. I think communication from as in the management side of things is huge. I think that's probably one of the biggest underrated things in football. Like I've experienced at RAF, I experienced. I think we went through three or four managers in the three years I was there, so I kind of saw a different perspective of uh open. You know, you can speak to me whenever a manager and I closed, doesn't really acknowledge you, manager. So I think, I know what I preferred and it would be, you know, the one you can go speak to whenever you feel that like you want. Um, I think that's definitely one of the most underrated things in football is the, the the communication thing, that you can go speak to someone and you feel like you can approach them whenever. I think that makes can make you feel better on the pitch as well.
0: Yeah, it's good. And then there's more than just the manager because you've got you know coaches, physios, the, the kit men or, or women whoever it is, they're always often quite there. Are, are they sometimes a soundboard as well?
1: Yeah. Well, when I was at Rafe, we had like our own under 20s coach, Craig Easton, who was really good. He would oh, he would obviously he was our main priority, so he would interact with us a lot. Then uh yeah, like you say, you'd have the kit man, you'd be dealing with him during your apprenticeship every day. Um some some bad uh kind of interactions obviously but um no nah, most of the time
0: most of the time
1: good. no no i was to be fair i was i was quite good i was in his good books but there's there's times obviously he we could be frustrating in his eyes definitely but uh, it's
0: running about i causing chaos
1: yeah exactly not doing what he wants but uh no there's a lot of people like you say, people just like within the office staff and the people we used to cook at lunch and stuff yeah it's a good network
0: definitely for, for anyone it's just you know communication is the key it's coming around constantly every time i talk to somebody and mm. it's one of those things like if, if you're saying you've got negative thoughts or you're a bit worried or stressed there's going to be five or six others undoubtedly in the same situation and yeah absolutely talking without doubt is the best way to to in through it and if if you come across somebody that you're not getting the answers you want from, just accept that you're that's what the answer is too and don't let that sort of run away. Yeah. I don't know. Did you do when you're talking about managers that weren't very communicated, were you, did that ever affect you beyond that? Or were you able to just kind of go, all right, that's fine, move on?
1: It probably did because um I guess it kind of gives you that bit of nervousness and pressure that. You know he isn't interacting with me is that because he doesn't like me as a player or he doesn't think I'm doing well but then I guess there's different managers I like that because I probably played the most under the manager who spoke to me least you know so and then the last manager I experienced at Rafe John McGovern probably interacted with me and others the most and I didn't really play much but I, I enjoyed it under him because it was you know it was a positive environment he would no matter what he would just, come in every morning interact with you have a joke have a laugh I just kind of yeah quite that's probably one of my regrets I didn't get to play as much under him but
0: then that comes into luck and that's the bit that none of us can control or even expect but luck's the huge determinant in so many of your your chances
1: yeah timing
0: exactly you know you walk in an environment and there's a couple of first team players that are in your way it's it could be an immovable object for some and that's the unfortunate part of football, you know, there isn't really much loyalty in it.
1: That's it, exactly.
0: It's difficult. So, in terms of, talking about getting on well with managers and chatting, what what advice would you give to any youngsters on the pathway, thinking of, of chasing
1: the dream like you did? Um, probably to just go in and be positive. You know, I was a bit kind of, uh, you know, I looked at my performance probably too negatively, I didn't really understand what I was good at, as in, uh, you know, I didn't, I probably didn't think enough of, you know, I'm good at these things, let's focus on, let's focus on doing that. So probably just go in and play, stick to what you're good at, improve, improve your weaknesses and uh, try not overthink things too much, to be honest.
0: No, I like that. Actually physically write down what you are, what you're good at. Cause that can go back to what we we're talking about earlier about what does the best you look like on the pitch. Just write down yeah. four five things. And if it's not going well in your head, go back to them.
1: Yeah, because I remember when I came when I came to uni, I first sat down with the gaffer at the uni and he said, you know, tell me what you're good at. And I thought, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. I've never I'd never been asked that before. I'd never really stopped and thought you know, what are my qualities? But I'd say that's probably a, a really, a really good thing to do.
0: Yeah. And then that doubles up on self-confidence because if you can't convince mm. yourself, how are you going to convince me?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How are you going to impress the manager and how's he going to see those qualities? But It's really difficult
0: to get that out of people at young ages though, because at 14, 15, 16, when you're trying to build these things, there's so much going on in life.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of other things going on in your life. Like we said, talked about the school stuff and things like that. A lot of other pressures. So to stop and
0: literally write it down what you're good at. On the flip side, do you write down what you want to work on?
1: Yeah, I think so. That's obviously as uh, I think you've got to practice what you're good at as well. I think a lot of people focus too much on you know correcting weaknesses and forgetting their strengths. But I think as well you've got obviously of course you've got to practice what you're not as good at or you you won't improve. But I remember uh, our 20 coach, uh, Rafe Eason saying that as well. You've got to practice the things you're good at. You can't you can't let them get worse or stay the same. You've got to keep improving on what you're good at.
0: Absolutely. The phrase I love is super strengths. You need super strengths. Mm-hmm. Need things that put you beyond what other people do.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think it's I think for me it's a good thing. Also, I don't know what your thoughts are, but just reframing it because I think primings is put you prime yourself to improve. So for me it's very easy to say weaknesses. For me, it's future strengths. And it doesn't seem like a much of a change and some people give it the old huff and puff, you know, when you say turn it into future strength. But if you've yeah. got a list of super strengths and a list of future strengths, and then you work on them constantly.
1: It's a, lot, it's, a lot, it's a lot more positive to put it that way, isn't it? Because then you're not looking at a list of, or you might say your list of uh, weaknesses or future strengths is, longer you're not looking at it thinking oh my god i'm i'm terrible all these things these all need improving this is going to take forever you're thinking you know i can go and improve these
0: yeah definitely so what what um, advice did you get on terms of that so you're talking right there about about craig easton you know talking about reinforcing super strengths what other little bits of advice come to to mind if any um trying to think um
1: i'm not too sure
0: the great one I've had so far was um just during from Declan Glass and he's in in recovery from a knee injury and he was just told you need, just need to learn to love
1: it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden oh. it just changed for him. Probably the it might sound stupid, it's not kind of focusing on like a technical thing, it's more of a mental thing. But we had a um postgrad student from Germany who played tier two in Germany. I remember him I hadn't had the best game. This it was a it was a uni game against a uni from down south. I can't remember which one. And I had the best game and I got frustrated with myself during the game and he obviously could see that. He used to help us coaching. So he used to give you a few points and stuff. And I remember walking back over from the Astra after the game and he was like, you've just got to stop thinking about football. Like He was like, you'll be going home tonight and you'll be beating yourself up and you'll be thinking, I should have done this better, I should have done this better. And he was like, go home. Don't think about football until you come back next to the training. Then go again. And that was... Kind of, I kind of, at that point, I kind of thought, oh, he's talking nonsense, you know what I mean? Of course, I've got to go home and reflect, but it was such a positive way to put it because there's no point in beating yourself up about something that's just happened. You can't correct that. The best thing about doing it is just forgetting about it until you're next on the pitch, training or game, and uh, going and enjoying it.
0: And the key phrase is there is in the past, isn't it? Don't yeah. dwell on the past. Yeah, done, it's finished, it's over. And it I see it so often is folk live, you know, the the final time whistle goes, someone's not had a great game, the head's down and they drag their feet to the gate and they drag their feet to the changing rooms. That's mm. not gonna for me improve anything. It's only going to add that
1: negativity to it. Yeah, and that, I think it's it's hard though at academy level, especially when you're younger, to think it's done, you know, forget it's in the past. It's it's a bit easier now. I'm a bit older, whereas I can go do different things, but when when you're young, and all you think about is football. It's it's tough to think that way, it really is. Absolutely, I mean that's me from the
0: coach's perspective. You know, 32 now, detached from my days of 13, 14, and 15. I'm um, going to finish up on on this one, and, and it's more just about the your whole journey. Would you do it again?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Then. Um, for the years for the three years I had at Rafe, it was it was definitely all worth it. I mean, my career's obviously not over now. Of course I want to keep trying to progress my career see how I can get, but um the for all the years I carried, it was worth those those three years I had at Rafe were amazing. Yeah. Looking back, I remember first going in and all the first team was to City, oh these these two years of your apprenticeship will be the best time you've ever had in football. Like, don't forget that. And I remember, we would always say at the time, no chance, this is rubbish, you know, we're just on a bad session and we're cleaning cleaning the floors and this is terrible, this is terrible. But looking back now, I'd jump at the chance to go back, you know, you're sitting, getting paid a little, not a lot, you obviously, you're getting money to play football for the team that you supported. So, absolutely, I would do, yeah, no regrets.
0: No, I love it. And it's... Like it's, there's always more opportunities. And I think there's such a high dropout level, which is so disappointing. But, you know, talking to people like yourself who have had the, the eyes on education as well as football, it's just a great sort of shining light out there to let people know that there's
1: more beyond that sort of cut-off date of 1819. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of look down on where I am now like I would like when I was at Rafe, I would have looked down on where I am now thinking, oh university, it's it's not great. But I've probably never enjoyed although those those three years at Rafe were really enjoyable, I'd probably never enjoyed actually playing the game as much as I do now.
0: No, I love it. Right, James, I'm gonna wrap it there. Um, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it.
1: No worries at all. That was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: that's it for another episode i really hope you enjoyed it you can get me on twitter at play Train, grow you can email playtrain at gmail.com this is a new thing for me and for those involved i'd love some feedback if there's any other areas you'd like covered any other topics you'd like to discuss just let me know thank you thank you bye.